0: In this episode of the Too Fit podcast,
1: I believe that balance can access an array of unknown movements out of like necessity, in a sense. Because essentially, balance is never had, it's always something that you're fighting for.
0: Are you ready to push the boundaries of performance mentally, physically, and everywhere in between? Welcome to the Too Fit podcast, where the Too Fit guys uncover the tips, tools, and tactics from elite performers in the fields of health, nutrition, athletics, and business that will set you up for success, deliver results, and help you on your journey to becoming Too Fit. Now, let's get started with your hosts, Jake and Josh, the Too Fit guys.
2: Hello, to fit Tribe. Yeah, trap. <laughs> Whether it's the first time, last time, or you've been with us since the beginning, welcome again to our humble abode. Welcome, welcome. And uh, Jake is actually going to let you know who today's guest is on the show, because um, I think he really enjoys just pronouncing his last name. I do get pleasure out of it. I don't know. Is that weird? But the man we have on today
0: goes by the names of Adam Von Rothfelder.
2: Yeah, Adam is a really cool cat. We met him out at the Bulletproof Conference last fall. He's got a really cool background. and Yeah, a lot of people don't know
0: the whole backstory to Adam. Now that we've seen him, he's been on NBC's Strong. He's one of America's top personal trainers. A lot of people recognize the face now since he's modeled for Versace. But he's also, he's he's come through a lot of personal tragedy that he's had to overcome. And it's all that leading up to this point that has made him ready for the limelight. And now he can handle that so well. He runs his own gym back in Milwaukee, um, has really built up a nice local support around him there and is really giving back to that community. Um, And now he's out in LA living the dream. So I know we get into a lot of cool stuff with Adam and obviously he's a, he's a wealth of knowledge, but what are some of the, what's the, the one takeaway
2: if you had to pick one from this episode for you? Man, the one takeaway, I think it's overall just Adam's mindset through life, you know? Um, he's handled a lot of diversity really well. I think he's come out of it so much stronger. That's, you know, helped pave his path for where he wants to go, not only just in like fitness, but also business and personal. And I think it's just his whole mindset. The guy is just unbreakable. And I think that's really cool. I think it's something our listeners are really going to gravitate towards. Um, how about you? What about like maybe on the training side or anything specific that Adam shared that stood out to you? Hmm. Yeah,
0: he's a he's definitely a very inspirational guy, inspirational life, that's for sure. He's been around the block, you know, a time or two. And one of the questions and one of the things we get into specifically on the training, I think people will be surprised to know he only uses three lifts. To maintain his muscle mass and strength, and so I, I really enjoyed talking about that because I just love the simplicity
2: of it. Yeah, and I think one of them is maybe take people so by surprise; he may not be that familiar with it, but it is something that you should absolutely incorporate into your routine. Um, because Adams, he considers himself a mover, you know, so he's he's very much about the mobility, the function of your movement. Um, you know, efficiency through life, kind of almost this like natural movement through your environment. And uh, he kind of takes that approach on his training, which he dives into uh, quite a bit here.
0: Definitely. I mean, he does spend the majority of the episode on a
2: voodoo balance board. Yes, he does. Which he does share if you happen to be watching this on YouTube or you want to check it out. If you're wondering why the video is so shaky. (laughs) (laughs) That too.
0: Yeah. I hope you guys enjoy. Yeah. Sit back. Enjoy the show.
2: All right Adam, welcome to the show and thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule out in your new home of uh Malibu, California to join us on the show. Yeah, we've been excited about this for a while. So yeah, man. What's uh what's new in your world, man? What's going on? Oh,
0: That's
1: a big question. Yeah. Uh yeah, dude, a lot. You know, uh you know the last year's been pretty crazy. You know, so two Versace campaigns, uh NBC Strong, that was crazy, you know, um filming a show with nine of the other Best trainers, you know, in the country, and I mean, some of them were, you know, pretty outstanding. I mean, Benny Wiley was uh, the head strength coach for uh, Texas, you know, Longhorns. I mean, yeah. you know, some really legitimate uh, trainers that were on that show, and serious athletes as well. You Cut. know, all the way to, you know, being a movement advisor for uh, Laird Hamilton and Gabrielle Reese uh, for their XPT for their XPT, uh, uh, thing that they got going on right now, which is like, a you know, really great, you know, movement, uh, recovery, uh, breathing, uh, experience that you could come and you know, spend three days with them. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a really cool thing. They bring some great educators, you know, far, even far better, uh, far better than I, <laughs> nah, <laughs> you know, I mean, that. people like Kel- you know, Kelly Starrett and stuff Well, yeah. You oh, know, it's all interesting. Right. Yeah, he's, all yeah right. he's, he's yeah, he's all right. <laughs> you know, what I mean it's interesting, you know, to be considered at that, uh, you know, at this level. You know, it's very uh, it's very different. It's a big change for me in one year. Yeah. You know, so I mean, two years ago I spoke at Paleo FX for the first time. And that was when I knew like something was different. And then being on NBC Strong and people like Larry Hamilton and Gabriel Reese and Brian McKenzie. You know, I mean, Brian McKenzie gave me this amazing testimonial, you know, like, I understand movement better than most people will, you know, understand even how to speak, you know, and like, uh, and that's why I teach it, you know, so it was really, I mean, it's just really interesting, because I mean, like, a year ago, I was, you know, or two years ago, three years ago, I was reading his book, you know, so it's just, uh, you know, being like, damn, like, I got to train with this dude, you know, so, you know, and then hanging out with him training. Uh, with them and working with them side by side. Um, Adam.
2: Yeah. You know, I know everyone's itching to hear the behind the scenes of NBC Strong and what you got going on in your current life. But, you know, one of our favorite quotes of any guests we've had on the show was Cassie from Fed and Fit. And she says to be an overnight success, you have to be an everyday hustler. And so take people back, what you were doing, kind of your story, your background, where you grew up and what you were doing up to a year ago before kind of bursting on the scene, if you will.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, you know, uh, man. So (laughs) it's like, here we go. All right, (laughs) let's do this thing. So, yeah. So I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you know, um, I grew up playing, you know, like conventional sports, you know, soccer, you know, baseball. I I love playing baseball. I love soccer even more. I did some gymnastics and some martial arts when I was a kid, but you know, it it was because I was ADD as shit. You know, so it was, it was all just kind of like because my parents needed to, like, tire me out. So, you know, when I was 22, my brother passed away from, uh, from a drug overdose. And it was at a time that, you know, it was crazy. I was, I was working at um, Valley's Total Fitness. I was a personal trainer. You know, I mean, so I've been a personal trainer in the world for a long time. You know, it's like I've, I've you know, I've, I've hustled for a long time. be an overnight success you know uh I like that quote a lot so I got a call one morning and you know I I, for my sister and you know she she told me that my uh my brother passed away and I just you know it was like shook my world up and when I left my mom's house where my brother was saying he just got out of you know a, a rehab recovery program and uh I heard an ad on a radio and it was for a uh, boxing tournament and uh, a kickboxing tournament. It was a tough band competition, basically like a all out brawl for, you know, three, one minute rounds. And I like drove straight to this Harley dealership and uh, in Milwaukee and I like, so signed me the fuck up. You know? <laughs> and, like, this guy's like, uh, have you ever fought before? You know, it's only, it's only amateurs. And the thing is, is they just had to say that because at the time there was no professional boxing commission in wisconsin so you know for kickboxing so it wouldn't even matter like you could have guys that had 20 fights and they could still be considered amateur technical so it's kind of bullshit but so i i was like no fights you know like i've never fought i've never done this it's like you know he's he's like he noticed that i was upset i'm like man i'm like just sign me up you know like let's do this you know i signed up in the heavyweights i was like 200 i was like 205 pounds the weight cut off was like 200 he's like sure you don't want to lose five pounds i'm like nope (laughs) You know, first fight. So two weeks later, first fight of the night. You know, like I literally, I feel bad for this dude that walked into the fight. He was like six three. I'm five eleven. He was like two twenty five. I'm two oh five. I just he came in. He put his hands up. I put my left arm out. I pulled his arms down, and I just punched him right, right in his fucking mouth, just like like three times. You know, as he's falling to the mat, I, I'm still hitting him. Oh, man. And I mean, like, I literally just pulled his arms down. I'm like, no.
0: (laughs) 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 You guys didn't know what he was wearing. Yeah,
1: yeah, like, I, well, you know, I mean, I just released a whole lot of uh, pent up aggression. I mean, the other fights didn't go that way. The rest of the fights didn't go that way. I I did well, but I definitely had some serious uh, emotional uh, release there, you know? So, you know, that basically started a, a professional fighting career you know, that kind of like slowly, you know, trickled uh, towards that direction through uh, getting into jujitsu after that and not really thinking about fighting ever again, but the following year uh, after my, you know, my brother's, you know, one year anniversary of passing, I was, I heard like this ad on the radio again and I'm like, I didn't win last year. And I said, I was going to win this shit for my brother, you know, and I'm like, So I I went back and uh, I knocked out four dudes in a row and uh, took that prize money, you know, and uh, took that trophy and, you know, walked the fuck out of there. And the money and the trophy didn't mean shit. I just really wanted to do what I said I was going to do from the start. You know, what what do you
0: think? What do you think allowed you to win that second go around, Adam? Because did you still have that much built up, you know, aggression and frustration in you or is that year of training, you know, played a part as well?
1: You know, I wasn't really training uh, for boxing at all. And uh, the jujitsu started actually after I won this tournament. When I started doing jujitsu, a guy approached me about, hey, have you ever thought about fighting? He's like, I saw you do this thing last year. And he's like, you look like, you know, he's like, you just, I feel like you could, you know, do this. And I kind of passed it off. And then I was like, I felt, you know, just I felt like I just wasn't doing what I wanted to do. Because like at the time now, I, I became a union electrician. So I, you know, I applied for an apprenticeship, you know, I'm like 3,000 people applied, you know, 120 people are going to get a job or like this, something less than that. And I'm like, really not thinking it's going to happen, you know, because I was never that strong in the math side and I ended up doing really well on the test and I ended up being one of those guys and I got an electrical apprenticeship. So, you know, I'm working full time as a, as an apprentice, you know, and I'm, I'm learning, I'm going to school, you know, I'm working 40 hours a week on top of like, you know, going to class uh, you know, you're still like,
0: training at this time too, personal training?
1: I always kept a client. Yeah, you know, it was always it's always been a passion, you know, so it's like throughout my 5 years actually as a union electrician, I always had a client. Like somehow like my buddy a buddy would be like, "Yo, you man, you should train my wife, dude. She, we're getting you're my girls. we're getting married," you know, like, you know, you know like I would meet some kid that didn't have shit for form and I'd be like, Hey, find three of your friends and meet me here twice a week. And we'll do like a little squat deadlift clinic, you know? And I was just always kind of doing that stuff like at a young age. And it's interesting because right now is the first time actually I'm even realizing that like I was, like hosting like little clinics at, you know, the age of 22. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that's funny. Yeah. You know, you
0: could make a living just at the squat rack alone, just walking in, oh, yeah. yeah. in there, yeah. watching squat. Oh yeah. my yeah. gosh.
1: Totally. Totally. I've actually lost two memberships. One to gold's gym and one to, a. <laughs>
2: can see where this and, one, going.
1: and one to a local gym in uh, Wisconsin, uh, the Wisconsin athletic club for, um, telling somebody that they had shit for on deadlift (laughs) and let me help you i wasn't trying to solicit you know like that's like that's like an interesting thing about me like i'm not trying to solicit shit you know i'm just so passionate about people not being ignorant about the way they you know move their bodies you know and i mean you know i've gone so far as to you know really honestly like go in every single direction possible and like almost to a specialty just to try to learn as much as possible about the awareness of your body. And I I just think it's, it's awful. When I see someone like the training, you know, I mean, uh, like, fuck, like I wish training was a license, not a certificate. I mean, you can fuck somebody up way worse than a barber ever could. And a barber has to have a license. I mean, like the worst thing what, you're going to give somebody a chemical burn on their head. I mean, fuck, I can rupture your spleen, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, you know, I could do a lot here here's 900 pounds on the leg press. You're a strong guy. You know, like, I mean, people are, you know, so I think that, uh, you know, being in this, you know, training world and, you know, getting, uh, being this, doing this union electrician thing, you know, and fighting all at the same time, you know, inevitably one of them had to give and I decided to, um, full on pursue, you know, fighting. And I, took a uh, transfer from the uh, milwaukee uh, 494 which was uh, the milwaukee local to the local 292 which is minneapolis and i worked on the minnesota twin stadium for one year and i did every single interior field light that lights that entire field like uh they're like 60 pound lights and lift every single one out of a box you know so I, I literally like i was training like 14 hours a day, basically, because I would leave there. And the reason I took the transfer to Minnesota is because that's where Greg Nelson was or is still. And if you're in Minnesota or you're around the area. you should go check him out. If you're listening, you know, so at the Minnesota uh, martial arts Academy. So, I mean, he was, you know, he is one of the top coaches in MMA. And um, I mean, he's Brock, he was Brock Lesnar's coach, Sean Shirk. I mean, he's coach Matt Hughes. Derek Noble. I mean, like all these, you know, incredible names, Nick Thompson, who was the bow dog, you know, champion at one time. I I mean, just so many people. And he was actually my corner for my very first professional fight. Yeah. So I moved to Minnesota. I started training with them and they right away pulled me into like the pro sparring after they saw me practice. And, you know, I had my back and I trained there for two years. And then I ended up, uh, meeting brett rogers uh you guys remember brett rogers i do not
0: mm, sounds familiar
1: um at one time man he was really on the rise his uh brett the grim rogers was his name he knocked out andre arlovsky in like 15 seconds wow. like he just like mowed him over and i mean andre arlovsky was a ufc champion at one time you know only like two years prior or three years prior or something like that and he was still like considered like a top contender at that time in the heavyweights and Brett fought Fedor Emelianenko, which was Fedor's first fight in, like, three years, and Fedor was, like, considered the most prolific fighter of, you know, MMA of all time, and I don't know if that's still, like, what people consider, really. I'm kind of disconnected from the MMA world, but, you know, he fought uh, Fedor, and he, I mean, he did pretty well. I mean, he almost took Fedor uh, in the second, but he ended up getting clipped himself, and he went down, and, uh, you know, he kind of, like, faded away after a couple of, you know, fights, and he... There were big fights, you know, he like fought, you know, Alistair Overeem, you know, next. I mean, it was just like, I mean, Alistair Overeem's, I mean, a huge, scary motherfucker. I mean, like, you know, I mean, it's just like a very big unknown with somebody like that that's never really fought in the United States. And that's fought these like super brutal pride kickboxing fights and these, you know, you know, UFC and, you know, all that UFC like conversion is interesting with some of those guys they come in and sometimes they're you know insanely amazing and some of them were kind of big flops but alistair has you know been pretty successful you know fighting on this side you know so you know i ended up fighting full-time i ended up taking myself off of the uh union electrical list i uh, checked out i uh retired <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i retired package. and uh yeah, yeah 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 i have a whopping 4k in my 401k <laughs> from uh all my hard earned hours. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's really, quickly, uh, social security is not going to be there for us anyway. So I mean, (laughs) (laughs) gotta, gotta make that money now. (laughs) So yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, I, I moved, uh, at the time I decided I'd move to California and, um, that was my first time in California. I was 28 years old. I, uh, left Minnesota and, uh, started training in California and what prompted the move was a uh, shoulder separation so i uh practiced just like 2 days after a big fight that i had i knocked a guy out in like 15 seconds and he like he actually tapped out from strikes and i just basically you know like, rolled over and my sh- shoulder just oh, man. you know exploded out of place and i thought if I moved to California, you know, I could like train with, you know, some different people, switch things up and, you know, it just didn't work. And, you know, I was, I got out there and I, I started uh, surfing a lot and, you know, like on a daily basis, some friends introduced me to surfing. They, they found a great board for me for like a good deal. I was broke as shit, you know, so I needed, I needed a cheap deal and they, they got me this beautiful board and, I remember just like hopping on that board and after a couple of times, like finding myself wanting to go to practice just a little bit less and just a little bit less. And what I started kind of realizing is that uh, after, you know, five years had passed, you know, six years since my brother died, I was no longer angry and it was a really interesting moment. You know, I, I like looked at what I did to my body like I, I had, I have cauliflower ear, you know, I got, I I, I fucking separated my shoulder, you know, like uh, a lot of shit on me hurt. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter how many fights my record says I have, the amount of sparring and the amount of brawls, like you can reference any one person that I sparred with and everybody knows how hard I went. And that's, you know, it's how hard I went in sparring because I love the training of it. I didn't really love the fighting. It was the daily training and the camaraderie because you know, essentially I like, I lost my brother. So it was great to have these other brothers, you know, and that's a lot of it, what these actualizations, you know, that started happening, you know, I was like, Oh, wow. You know, and this surfing kind of opened up a different type of movement and, you know, a certain type of like emotional freedom and release. And I found myself dancing again, you know, like I was like, uh, I loved popping and you know stuff like that when I was a kid, and like breakdance. I was never like a breakdancer, but like the idea, of like breaking, uh, like uh, popping and locking, and kind of just <laughs> moving like that. Whole I love that show.
0: We don't understand what that is down here.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. Yeah, no, it's uh, so I like uh, a, a really early inspiration to my movement um, was a movie called Breaking Two, Electric breaking Boogaloo. Breaking Two, and I'm write that down. Yeah, yeah, write, yeah, write that shit down. Write it down um <laughs> that's a little van wilder moment right that shit down um yeah so uh breaking two electric boogaloo so it's like this this main characters turbo and ozone and they're these uh breaking instructors and you know breaking was very like different like in the um 80s it wasn't like all this crazy flipping and stuff it was like joint manipulation and popping and locking the body and like doing just kind of interesting just weird movements and shit with like your neck and you know, like the moonwalk on steroids, you know, just very like crazy. I mean, these guys would have made Michael Jackson look like a fool, you know, like honestly. And I sat in my living room. I mean, like I told my mom that the tape got ruined. And, you know, remember how much Blockbuster used to charge if you lost a tape back in like the 90s? <laughs> like, I mean, like the late 80s. Times like, like, the, cost like of the video. Like, like, like $300? <laughs> well, you couldn't get this movie, right? Because like you just couldn't. But like Blockbuster had it. So I told my mom I lost it. So she had to pay the $300 and I watch that shit all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. I love you, yeah, mom. Awesome. Thanks mom. Yeah. Thanks mom. So, you know, so I being in this water, it like took me away from, you know, this fighting and I found kind of like this interesting piece and I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not saying I'm a surfer cause I am not a surfer. You know, I went surfing with my friend, Neil uh, Strauss, who is a uh, incredible author and uh I mean, he outsourced me, you know, like I, you know, I mean, like, so I, uh, I just enjoy being in the water and catching a couple of waves. And it was, uh, you know, now being back here, it's been six years since I've lived here. So, I mean, I'm, uh, I, I haven't uh, bought a board yet. I've only been here for eight weeks. If you're just tuning in, I just moved to, I just moved to California. So I, uh, so,
0: so we met you basically right around the time that you moved out there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I had been traveling back and forth, you know, so, you know, doing the uh, all those XPT uh, workshops with uh, Gabrielle Reese and Laird Hamilton and Brian McKenzie doing the movement portions and teaching these workshops with them alongside uh, Darren Olin, Olin, uh, who wrote the book Super Life Living. And if you haven't read Super Life Living, I definitely recommend to check it out. I love how he breaks just down like the ideas of like really important five principles of of you know not so much nutrition but daily habits, I think are habits in a sense they're important things to add to your diet so superfoods so these x p t things have taken me back and forth to California a lot, and uh so just moving here and uh was was an official thing and since I was here all the time, i just would rather have my family here than not so
2: So Adam, what were you doing when NBC contacted you to be on Strong?
1: So yeah, so, you know, I didn't stay in California for long uh, when I was uh, originally moved out there. Like I said, like six years ago, when I originally moved out to California from Minnesota, I was there for about eight months. I had received a message. You know, I was doing pretty good out here. I got like some commercials. I had a great job at this like celebrity training facility. You know, I was was actually like uh, in an interesting place. I had just like auditioned the biggest loser. The day I was actually received a message from my sister saying that my dad got irregular blood work back. I was actually on a photo shoot and shooting an infomercial for the ab rockets, nice. which is a piece of shit. <laughs> so um so <laughs> I feel fucking awful for doing it. It's like if I would have done like a cigarette ad, I just feel fucking horrendous.
2: You had to pay rent, right? I mean Yeah.
1: bills <laughs> has gotta get paid.
2: We're going to make the Um, future
0: picture of this podcast, by the way. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. because, like, I wouldn't do that shit now if somebody paid me the same (laughs) amount of money. So I'll get to a point of the story when NBC and Subway, uh, where that happened. So basically, you know, I moved back home. You know, my dad had this irregular blood work back and he he got diagnosed with diabetes. But there was something like, uh, there's something like more, but like they they weren't really, it wasn't totally sure. And uh, I was just like, you know what? It's time. You know, and uh I moved back home and you know, drove drove through the night and showed up. My parents were having breakfast and it was like a big surprise. My mom started crying, you know, my dad looked happy, you know, and I was like, I need a job. I'm like, Dad, I'm like, I'm gonna take a nap. I'm like, I need you to drive me downtown, come look around, you know. And, I um, went back to what I knew best because I didn't want to do an electrician, even though I had the training and the education. I could have made some good money. It was what I wanted to do. So I went back to being a doorman and I got a job at uh, like this brand new, super swanky place called Distill that was like right in downtown Milwaukee. It was like this high end whiskey bar and, you know, on like the Hapman Street in downtown area. And it was one of the Hapman Streets, you know, Milwaukee is a. Pretty happening city, actually. It's got a lot of really amazing Chicago influence and great food and culture. And it brought in some of the you know really great employees and great people. Yeah. And one of those great employees ended up being my wife. Saw so that. she was the hostess with the most <laughs> and I was the doorman, and I was the beast, and she was the beauty. And I made her egg rolls, and she kissed oh, me. There you go. So that's a long story. At least she shared. wasn't a yeah. client, right? No, no, she wasn't a client. No, no, that's, it's funny. Um, one of my trainers, uh, Luke, at my gym in Milwaukee, he always tells people the same story. He's like, when I first met Adam, he said, rule number one about working for me, don't fuck the clients. And he's like, I, and I'm like, I know I won't, I won't. And I'm like, no, seriously, don't <laughs> fuck the clients. In any way. <laughs> so basically, like I said, uh, moved to Milwaukee and met this uh, girl and I felt motivated. And honestly, I saw some people pulling up in Porsches and I'm like, yo, I'm not going to get that looking like this, you know, working, as, working as a doorman. And it's not that money motivated me, but it was the idea of being able to ha- do the things that I want to do and not have the things that I want to have. Cause I'm pretty simple when it comes to the things I want. I just want to, you know, keep life simple and wear tank top and board shorts as often as possible. <laughs> you so, pick the right
0: climate for that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I wrote a business plan together and I opened up a gym and it ended up being, uh, you know, widely known and, you know, successful in the city. Like, you know, I, a couple months into it, I was featured on the cover of the business journal, you know, the local news morning shows started using me as like their morning fitness guy. You know, I, I grew it from a 800 square foot gym to a, you know, 5,000 square foot facility and, you know, two, one build in between, you know, so three build outs in less than two years, you know, and just, you know, blew it out. And I I created this really cool system using woodway curve treadmills, which are, you know, self-driven treadmills that are made right in Wisconsin, which is pretty amazing. Everything was just very synergistic and they are the best treadmill in the fucking world. I mean, is that the
2: true form?
1: No, man, that's, true form it's things like that things that no those those are all bullshit ripoffs honestly like and i say that with respect to the company for whatever product they're, they're creating but the reality of it is, is the first one was the woodway curve you know like and that thing is smoother than anyone i've ever been on and i'm not saying that because woodway curve does not in any way nor endorse me to any sense Whoa. the woodway curve we'll have to check that out dude it's this shit man like and like i'm pretty fast and like it's pretty amazing because I trained NFL athletes on it, and I could out sprint them on that thing. And I would use that as a motivator. Be like, don't let this, you know, fucking kid here out sprint you. You know, like this is don't let this happen. And those the Woodway like just it it makes your striking pattern uh, like you know just like the true form. You know, like striding on the midfoot at, you know, activating more glute activity, more hamstring, po- more posterior chain in your in your sprint. You know, giving you that ability to kind of Kinda lean forward into it you know and it's incredible for that so i designed these classes called rip and run which were i had eight trx's and eight woodways and 16 people and we would flip back and forth and then we had a class called hit and run that would be uh boxing and uh this like running work so like running you know side shuffles backwards jogging on the woodways and it, the Woodway, I love the reason. One of the biggest reasons I love it too is because it really enhances cognitive function, which is a huge development and like growth uh, direction that I took, you know, over the course of owning that gym for five years and building it, you know. So we we did a lot of kettlebells, and that's that's where I've you know met all my friends, you know, my trainers, you know, Axel, uh, you know, Cordero, and uh, you know who's just you know really taking a liking to like calisthenics and you know, so he's working in, you know, they're still working all with me at my new gym, which is Como, which is, um, conscious movement. Uh, that's, uh, what it's short for. And that's exactly where I was when NBC contacted me. So I had just closed down trench and, um, I just, uh, didn't believe in the direction. I didn't enjoy the person that was my business partner. I didn't believe that he had the same passion and like, I'm a- understanding for what it is that we do is more about financial and, and like i understand that you got to make money but you also have to make sacrifices like if you want to make something big happen like very everybody's heard of barry's boot camp now but you know in a pretty big sense like in the group fitness world but i mean they were a small gym for a long time you know like it didn't happen overnight that you were going to like create that type of thing and that was the big goal of drench was to create that so i shut it down i shut it down that big goal idea for the idea of creating more of like an underground excellence facility in milwaukee that could kind of be like the epicenter of fitness because i truly was that milwaukee is going to be a, a metropolitan city it's only an hour from chicago and it's got a great infrastructure and like beautiful backdrop you know so i opened up como and mbc i had just shot uh for versace i did a huge campaign with alan joban a uh successful UFC fighter that's you know up and coming Gigi Hadid me and her had a uh, little fighting and kissing scene that was pretty uh, pretty intense she actually punched me in the face like five six oh, wow. times like fucking for real uh she punched me so hard in the face and it wasn't even that she was punching hard it's just that she had been taking boxing lessons so she knew how to punch just well mm-hmm. enough that she knew to turn her punch over but she didn't know how to punch well enough to control like, uh, (laughs) to control it. So, uh, she, she ended up, uh, you know, uh, hit me in the cheekbone like a couple of times and she hurt her knuckle too on it on my face. So they had to bring an acupuncturist in and put a needle in my face and needle in her hand to like, make sure the swelling didn't go, you know? So, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, you know, I allowed her because we really wanted the shot to look good and then they didn't even use the fucking
2: really man. All that pain for nothing. They used
1: it. I know they used all the kicks and they didn't use any of the punches. I don't even know if they showed the kiss in the commercial I'll have to to check it out again. But so I just shot this Versace thing and then uh, which was an, which was amazing. And then I uh, left for NBC. So I had been talking to NBC for about a month, about a month uh, or so. And They uh, asked me to come to California, where I was then sequestered into a hotel for two days and was given a cornucopia uh, of quizzes, psychological examinations, um, IQ tests, like it was, don't quote me because this is an exact number, but I'm also not like blowing the number out of the water, but it was around... Fifteen hundred questions wow. between all the tests that we now
0: took. going through all that. I what's, probably, what's the kind of person that you think they're looking for?
1: You know, it's interesting. You know, because there's a pretty in-depth process to like, you know, the audition tapes and stuff like that, where we had to send certain things in. You know, when we got there, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, I'm not the type of trainer who has like the brand new Nike Air Max and wears like the full on you know, matching, you know, shirt and shorts, you know, with the fucking, you know, under knee cut high sock. I mean, you all know the trainer I'm talking about. Like, like there's like more of them than not, you know, right. So I'm not that trainer. I'm the guy that, you know, tank top, board shorts, you know, and be like, no shoes, (laughs) you know, and when I am wearing shoes, they're like, adidas indoor soccer shoes or something you know something very flat and minimal and something i can do anything Mm -hmm. in you know and i show up and you can easily already tell like which guys you have here and they're all like built in the sense of like they do bicep curls they do a lot of deadlifting, squatting like crossfitters and i'm just like interesting like i'm the only kind of you know just you know kind of out of place person here like i'm the only person that's really like looking like me in a sense of you know even to the sense of like being covered in tattoos so i instantly started thinking after i started going through the process and then when i met everybody i'm like yep i'm like i'm that guy
2: so (laughs) that's not a bad thing now you mean that guy is kind of the not outcast of the crew but just the guy that's different that might Show his true personality, ruffle some feathers, but be honest to himself. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I do what other people wish that they do, you know, like, like, oh, I always want to get a tattoo. Oh, really? Why didn't you? <laughs> Fucking pussy. <laughs> you, know, you know, so, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's, but for real, I mean, like, that is, I realized real quick that I was like, um, like who I was, like what my character was and i I had a hint because they asked me to say a feeder line an audio feeder line that was um it was like my name's adam von rothfelder and i'm a real badass you know like that was you know that was like the line they wanted me to you know they didn't ever ask me to do any lines other than that like that was honestly the only line they ever asked me to do but when that's the only line that somebody asks you to do you kind of know where they want you to go you know, so it's like, I've never watched these shows, but I'm not stupid. Like I understand psychology and I understand what works. And like, when we were all all doing the show, everybody's like, kumbaya is a motherfucker. Like we all got together and like, everybody's like, Oh, this is so great. You know? And like, everybody's like, and I'm like, I'm here to win a half a million dollars. I'm like, I will, I'm like, we're going to shake some shit up. And I got the right girl. She was, you know, CC picked me and like, I couldn't have had a better partner, you know? So Kind of getting ahead of myself i'll back up but you know i basically you know we get on this we all meet each other through this meeting with dave broom you know who's like you guys are going to fucking rock you guys are going to be uh, heroes you know you're like psyching us up there's and there's 12 guys right so there's 12 guys standing there and i feel bad for the two guys that are the butt of this joke but there's exactly so there's 12 guys there and he's like, and 10 of you, 10 of you, 10 of you. And we're like, all of us kind of look at each other. We're like, there's, there's 12 <laughs> of us. You know, because like the way his wording was. So that was when everybody found out that the audition wasn't over. Uh. So we all thought that we had got it. So we, you know, we got done with this two day weekend of psychological. And then it was like, Hey, pack your shit you're coming to California pack for three months of, you know, three months, different seasons, yada, yada, yada. Like welcome to NBC strong. Wow. And I'm like, Holy shit. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to be a superstar, (laughs) you know? No, not really. I was just kind of like, Holy shit. I just had a kid and she's only four months old right now. She's looking at me through the window and, uh,
0: Well, that, so you Well, know, that's like, something I would to ask. What, what? what was the motivation for wanting to be on that show or even like the biggest loser in the first place? Because I know you said you applied to that a few times as well.
1: You know, I actually had never, so I didn't ever actively seek. So if anybody ever asked me like, oh, you're an mm-hmm. actor. Nope. Oh, you're a model. Nope. No, I mean like, yeah, I've modeled for Versace, but I've never actively sought anything out. It's all kind of happened through like, hey, I know this guy. I did a photo shoot. One photo shoot led into another but it was like interesting because it wasn't something that I initially like sought out in any sense. And same thing with being on the show. So when I initially moved to California six years ago, I was dating somebody, and she auditioned for the show. I auditioned for the show, and her agent, you know, they saw a picture of me, and they're like, "Yo, like you should come and do this show." And it was just kind of like, "All right." So I ended up doing the audition. I didn't get the part, but for like the next four years after they kept on asking me to send in audition tapes for biggest loser and who happened to be the same producers and directors of NBC strong. I got you. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, obviously like they kind of have known who i am in some sense. I mean, right. Like there's a reason that I kept on getting re-asked to audition for biggest loser. And then I got, you know, booked on strong. So it was interesting how it all kind of just came about, you know, later on, you know, so, so far later on, you know, so when we ended up actually getting there, when we've packed all of our shit, when we found out that only 10 of us were staying and there was 12 of us, we were actually being held in a hotel in California for 10 days where we could not leave the hotel. Wow. That would drive me nuts. Yeah, dude. It was insane. It was so. It was so insane. So it was. Uh, that sounds like
0: a psychological test to me. Yeah.
1: Oh, dude, that's what I fucking yeah. said. I was like, dude, this is a test, right mm-hmm. So I went on Cody app and I downloaded Dylan Warner's Yoga Strength Fundamentals and I did his 90 days in like almost wow. 10 days because they're all like 30 minute sessions. So I just kept on doing like 30 minute sessions, like four or five of them a day, six of them a day. I got like 30 some, there's like 36 sessions. in. I mean, I know that's nowhere near 90, but I don't know how many is in the 90 day workout, but I did 30 minute yoga with workout sessions in that time period. I was actually really lean. There's some challenging like strength progressions and uh, like all the other guys, they, they were allowed one hour to go to the gym and, They'd be, like, in there, like, pumping iron, like, as much as they could with the little hotel weight. I'm, like, fucking sitting on the station. I'm, like, sitting on the stationary bike just for, like, 40 minutes just trying to, like, move my legs. You know, just like, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) When I got to the show, so 10 days later, we get in a, a, a shuttle. And they're, like, all right, we're going. We're, like, holy shit, it's time. Game time, baby. Game time. And they take us to a mall. We're like, change of plans. We're like five minutes from the hotel. Change of plans. So we go to a mall, and we go shopping. We get to like spend like two hours by ourselves walking around, you know? And then they're like, all right, let's go see a movie. And we're like, Jesus, what the hell's going on? After the movie. <laughs> what did they take you to see? Uh, we went and saw Black Mass, which was so fucking depressing. I don't even know what that is. Johnny Depp. Ah. It's a true story about that, like, basically this serial killer, I mean, essentially. I mean, it's funny that we call, like, oh, he's a gangster. It's like, no, he's a, he's a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he, he's killed more than a couple of people, and it's all for the same reason. He's a serial killer. <laughs> so, basically, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting held even longer at the small, and then they're like, all right, let's go. So, then they drive us to the middle of the desert. I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to fucking kill us. That's what they're doing. This is, this is all just big ruse. This isn't even NBC. Like <laughs> so, we get to the middle of the desert. And then we're, like, sitting in this cabin for, like, two hours. And then, like, just stretching. And I don't even know what the hell we're warming up for. And they hand us, like, these, like, jerseys. And we're putting them on. And we got these, like, logos on. them, strong logos in our name. And I'm like, all right, man. This shit's happening. And I look around. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, Brian and the other guy is gone. I'm like, all right. Well, here's our 10. You know? So, like, that's, like, when I kind of realized, like, that I made it. (laughs) I'm like, all right. Sweet. I'm fucking in.
0: (laughs) So... And y'all are mic'd up so, and cameras on at this point, too?
1: No, 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 no. None of that's happening yet. So we sit there. So this is all the first night. Then it's like, dude, it's like it's like midnight now. And we haven't eaten. We've been up since 6 in the morning. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, like, we're walking around a mall, fucking, like, thinking that we're just going to go to this place and, like, start in the morning. Nope. We're literally competing tonight. We ended up competing, I think, at, like, 2 in the Morning, getting done at three a.m., and they fed us Jack in the Box for Oh
2: my I gosh!
1: I fucking ate two of those without even thinking about <laughs> it, and the next morning, all I could do was think about it.
0: <laughs> exactly, it's normally how it goes.
1: <laughs> I was like, "No, oh, yeah.
0: yeah." I heard a comedian the other day talking about how we treat fast food like our ex-girlfriends. <laughs> you know, you just feel, feel so guilty like afterward, or you know, like the first time you get drunk. <laughs> you find yourself right, late at funny. night, you know
1: and then you're just thinking about right, it next I, 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 just this one time doo, 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 hello. <laughs> exactly. i shouldn't have done that i ate the whole thing yeah. um
0: <laughs> so there.
1: yeah so yeah so i you know i i we get there we compete i kick ass you know everybody kicks ass i really kick some ass it was great next day wake up you know i get picked by cc game on you know, the rest is like on NBC.com or Hulu. You can come, you can watch it. You know, but I mean, it was like behind the scenes and like what people didn't see. I mean, like I'll just put it out there. I won't say too much about the show, but other than the fact that you know, like that shit was real. Uh, the animosity, like the like, there was a lot of choice words that were said to me. You know, I was physically like, I mean, I was never physically uh, touched in any sense, but I definitely had words said to me that would make somebody want to punch somebody in the fucking mouth or make somebody want to leave i am not a quitter which is why i couldn't leave but there are plenty of times when i was over it in the sense that i didn't care if i went home you know like i was like i would have been happier if i was just at home just because of the sheer sense of just the pressure cooker that they created because everybody was the same but one
2: Mm. Was it so, all men or was, was, were there also female trainers?
1: No, there was only 10 male trainers. And then there was 10 female contestants, you know, and they, uh, and believe me. And when I say this, they did an incredible job on the show. Like I'm not saying that they've created a bad show. They created a perfect show because I did exactly what I was supposed to do. I mean, there's, you know, there's a reason why, you know, when you go on hulu.com or NBC.com and you know what I mean? I say this is, you know, like with, you know complete humbleness and in, in the senses you know and it's funny because the uh there's a guy on there that said i uh, i i wore a humble cape but uh you know reality is that i wasn't fucking flying anywhere so you know i mean like i was my ass is sticking right around it's <laughs> awesome and i was you know and honestly like i was a person that everybody thought you know what like they had to gun after you know there's multiple times on the show that people are quoted you know, like I had to make sure that if I could beat Adam, I know I could win. the thing. I could win this competition. You know, like my eye was on it. What, what do you think? You that know, was? And it was, you know, like I said, like everybody was the same, like everybody was into like, you know, shoulder pressing weights, but like no, nobody actually could extend their elbow and keep their shoulder blades retracted. You know, like everybody was, you know, deadlifting, but everybody had like a slight lower dosis You know, lower doses curves that was like irregular, you know, like you could tell that they've like, you know, built up like an irregular, you know, muscle in their their lower back just from deadlifting, (laughs) you know, improperly for so long. No, I mean, and you know that hump I'm talking about, right? I mean, like, I'm not crazy here, you know, and then like when people talk about why their lower back hurts and then you see them doing something as simple as like a TRX tricep extension and their pelvic, you know, they're, they're not tilting their pelvis in you know, to engage their abdominal area to, to take the pressure off their back, their lower spine, you know, you're, and you're wondering why your lower back hurts and all you did was tricep extensions, you know, and squatting. And every time you squat, you're fucking, you're, you're actually folding like a suitcase. You know, it's like, come on, you know, you're the trainer here, you know? So I look at, you know, movement, you know, and I've had some incredible coaches. I mean, I've worked, I've worked, you know, under, you know, the direction of Ido Portal's team a couple of times. I've worked under Rafe Kelly and with Rafe Kelly, you know, who's, who's incredible. You know, I moved that, I moved that certified. You know, I was a progressive calisthenics, you know, Dragon Door, um, you know, uh, team lead. So like I, I assisted like Al and Danny Cavadlo on numerous uh, certification courses, you know, so I was really into a more, you know, holistic sense of training. You know, I, I was talking to one of my clients yesterday and I was telling him my two greatest role models in movement and the strength, you know, in this whole fitness culture, you know, that have, you know, changed me the most and at a very young age, and I would actually say three people, is Anthony Robbins, Charles Poliquin, right? Yeah. So Anthony Robbins, Charles Poliquin and Paul Chuck. So, you know, like Charles Poliquin for like the things he's done with hypertrophy and strength training, and Paul check for always constantly being so holistic in the sense of everything he does from nutrition to, I mean, doing simple things like shrugging his face, uh, to opening, you know, (sighs) you know, like breathing in one nostril and plugging the other, (sighs) you know, just stuff like that, that, you know, and then being 55 and standing on a fucking stability ball, And pressing two 55 pound kettlebells over his head for you know 12 reps you know i mean like that's amazing you know it's it's like proof to what he does you know i mean Ido portal is an amazing physical specimen and like what he can do but you know there's a lot of you know like the the movement that he even says is not necessary you know or is it healthy you know like he he understands that some of the movement he does you know is is can be like harmful to the body but it's exploring what the body is still capable of, where I feel like um, Paul Chek has done the same thing, but he kind of like, he's not looking for, you know, any of the, you know, the handstand, you know, those types of things. It's it's a much more accessible, like form of like movement in a lot of sense, very similar to, or not similar, but like MoveNAT's very accessible. And a lot of these other, um, that have like these progressive forms that are, you know, have a, a much shorter curve, sure. right? Learning curve, learning curve is really high. So I think that the reason I did so well is, you know, I was 200 pounds. So I was like, there's four guys that were heavier than me, you know, guys that ranged from 275 to me. And then there was like three guys that were lighter than me, you know, and or four guys that were lighter than me. So I was 200 pounds and 5'11". I, you know, I have a really strong deadlift. I believe in deadlifting, front squatting and Turkish get-ups. Everything else for me is bodyweight training, crawling on the ground, rolling. I do parkour, you know, not like crazy shit, but I like the basics. I like hanging from walls. I like jumping on the walls. I like climbing on things. I'm not a climber. You know, it's not like I spend hours on a climbing wall or anything like that. I like gymnastics stuff. So like, I love the cognition you get from doing something as simple as a cartwheel from your right side to your left side, you know, just kind of really challenging this cross-directional movement that's developmental on a physiological and, uh, you know, mental level as well. Um, you know, so I think that that's what really helped me is that I was diverse in my movement. And these challenges were not like, see how much you can deadlift how many times, you know, or see how much you can bench press. Like that's fucking stupid. Nobody wants to watch that. It was American Ninja warrior meets CrossFit Mm -hmm. You know, that was what the competitions were. I mean, like they like our first competition that, you know, they don't even do me justice. I wish I could get the original format of what they shot. But the first competition was a pegboard wall that was double sided. So we had three sets of long pegs and me and my contestant had to climb the wall together she was on one side of the wall and I was on the other.
0: Mm. This is a, it's a so vertical like, wall. You're going up, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Straight up
1: like 40 feet, 30 wow. feet. It was like 35. 30, it was, it was a high wall. It was no joke. So you basically could only use those pegs that you had. So we climbed the wall so fast together. And because a lot of like the stuff that we did together, we only got to train together two days beforehand but I knew that we had to like learn how to communicate and connect because if we were going to do team competitions, we had to believe in one another and trust one another. So I knew she liked to dance. So we like did like, we'd like turn on some, like, you know, I think like at the time we were listening like, you know, like a lot of Drake, I think, or something like that, you know, and with like, like dancing type music. And we were playing like these games that like, she would have to avoid my hand as I like swing it at her very slowly and kind of like elegantly, almost like we were dancing together, but without the, awkwardness of like two people dancing with one another without really knowing one another or what it could you know implicate if somebody was to see like the wrong thing you know just because you know fucking reality tv so it was plus it just teaches you a lot of things you know like swinging at somebody's head while you're moving you know keeps you aware keeps you you know open to different movement patterns and actually creates new movement patterns out of necessity you know so like um that's a lot of like stuff that I learned when I was in uh, Thailand with uh, with Edo and I've like used it a lot and built a lot on it with like my own, you know, my own stuff. So I'm, um, you know, doing these alternative training methods and they had me on there as like the MMA fighter. Like that's like what my title was, like mixed martial arts training specialist or something. And um, you know, I basically, we destroyed this wall and we got to a point where she needed a peg and I could give her the I could sacrifice it and put it through the wall but there's no way I could do what I had to do to like get to where I needed to get to to be able to climb higher so I gave her the peg I jumped down on the rappel and I grabbed the last two pegs at the bottom and I climbed the wall uh, like three quarters up and I did a I did like a like a dip like a dip bar muscle up on the wall and I, no, I, I did it because I, I, there was a guy that was about to get to the top and I knew that climbing wasn't going to be enough. So like, I literally like scaled, you know, eight feet in like one movement and I jumped from like the sand, the handlebars of the, of the dip bars I to the top you. bar and grabbed it to win. And then like less than like, you know, a second and a half later, Matt's the purple team hit the bell, Wow, you know? So I climbed the wall two times <laughs> in the time it took everybody to climb it once. Stud. Which is all just a testament to like opening your mind to different movement ideas and not being stuck in this restrictive bubble of like being in a gym and just being married to a barbell or a kettlebell or even a pair of gymnastics rings. You know, it's all, you know, holistic and it all should be very consciously, you know, thought of and to expand like your your movement vocabulary, as some people say.
2: So Adam, Jake and I, you know, incorporate a lot of diversification in a week's worth of training you know, especially two weeks, three weeks, a month worth of training. And I'd be interested to hear what does like a week's worth of training look like for you? Or or would you recommend to become like a diverse human, you know, that can adapt and do these different movements in these different environments?
1: Yeah, we call them. uh, So at my gym, Como, we call them Como Sapien. (laughs) So if you want to, if you want to be a Como Sapien. So uh, we jokingly say, if this is the direction of humanity, then I want to be a Como Sapien. So um, we, um, I think that the missing element to uh, to stre- everybody's strength training is balance. So I believe that balance is the missing element. So I believe that balance can access um, an array of unknown movement um, out of like necessity in a sense through just you know balancing yourself right, like the all the different array of. You know, body movement and swinging and flailing that you do, and then teaching yourself to become even more aware of it. So, yeah, so I think that, you know, balance is the missing component. So, I work with uh, a company called Voodoo Balance Boards, and they have incredible balance boards. So, I do a lot of balancing. So, that being said, uh, a week of my training would basically look like I'll get two workouts a week that i lift heavy things so i warm up with balancing and some gymnastic strength training type stuff basically like some um like weighted stretches um some different movements on the ground some you know functional range you know conditioning like frc like uh, dr andre spina you know shows um you know that's some really great stuff i've never uh, taken his course but he's uh he's an incredible mind in in that world so i do a lot of joint mobility um i call it architectural work so that's what we call it at como is your architecture so it's like understanding the organic design and how to like build upon that design uh so you can increase your center of balance gravity you know movement capabilities to help you balance better and regain balance because essentially balance is never had so it's always something that you're fighting for so i get those two heavy lifting sessions in they start with some you know like i said some movement you know this architectural work and then we go in i go into some uh basically another four days of the week i get some like uh, 20 minutes um like bent arm sessions in where i warm up for you know, 20 to 30 minutes with my arms doing, you know, scapular work, you know, deltoid, you know, like rhomboid, you know, type work. And then I'll hop on a pair of gymnastics rings and do like uh, tucks and um, shoulder stands for, you know, back and forth, you know, for reps as like, get as many reps, get as many sets of like two to four reps as I can in 20 minutes, along with like uh, two pull-ups. So like, Two tuck, shoulder press, two pull-ups, rest, repeat as many times as I can in 20 minutes, and then I'll do something like that similar for like straight arm work. My shoulders have been bothering me, so I haven't been doing handstands. So, but I'm still keeping like shoulder arm, like straight arm strength through uh, doing uh, planking a lot and um, doing like over overhead carries with uh, like kettlebells, and then you know I, I'll throw in some yoga sessions here and there. My wife is yoga certified. Uh, She's got like her, you know, 200 hour and, you know, we'll, we'll do these like little 15 minute, I call it intermittent fitness, (laughs) right? Yeah. So it's uh, intermittent fitness trademark me. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, the idea is to just kind of stay warm and stay moving throughout the day. Like right now, while I'm talking, I was either standing on a balance board or I'm like sitting in a squat right now. Cause like, this is a great moment for me to kind of work on some things I'm working on, which is to make sure that I'm not looking down when I use my phone or right now I'm using my iPad, you know, and I'm keeping my, my posture up, my shoulders back. So I'm just kind of working on things throughout the day, which is a lot of like what my day looks like. So does that answer your question well enough, you know, and like kind of, you know, so I'm kind of, I'm always practicing, right? Like if life is a game, like I haven't heard a whistle yet so like i'm still thinking that this is practice right so like i'm going at it though you know in the sense of how everyone should practice which is you know with as much you know thoughtfulness you know as possible you know consciousness
2: could you highlight the importance of straight arm strength
1: yeah um you know straight arm strength is um it's super it's it's a lot more viable than people understand you know it's a great way you know for people who you know on an aesthetic level it can actually develop your biceps you know, bicep size, uh, which is, you know, great being able to securely lock your elbow and disassociate your scapula, you know, in the sense of being able to retract and protract the shoulder blade, you know, throughout movement is a great, you know, consciousness piece and awareness piece. A lot of people that don't understand, you know, the importance of straightening the arm, it's because they don't, uh, they don't do things that they even see like that their arm is not straight, you know, and it's like, A lot of people out there that are attempting to do handstand work or, you know, even, you know, yoga people who you see doing downward dog and their elbows are bent, that means that their shoulders are probably out of place because they're slightly pressing or pulling into the ground, which means that they're putting tension into their neck, you know, and those are issues. And people have like a lot of, you know, cervical issues already, you know, and thoracic issues already, let alone, you know, enforcing it through load. Right. And especially through a frequency of load, like multiple reps through days, of the week, you know, and there's a lot of people that are really misinformed about like uh, like straight arm strength, like locking out, you know, being able to squeeze out that elbow on a tricep extension. It's worth reducing weight. So you get that full contraction and really um, be able to stabilize the stabilize the joint in that movement.
0: Mm. What about the reverse of that? Almost like the hanging strength
1: yeah yeah and one hanging strength is uh you know it's funny like on the show they have this whole segment on the show that's i, I wish i could get this like just the mg 4 that segment but it's like so like i'm sick and tired of hearing about adam's grip strength <laughs> they're like it's like he's a fucking god or something <laughs> and they show like this clip of me doing a back lever and i'm holding a back lever and they make it like look all mystical <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice Yeah, if you get your hands on that, send it our way.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. That's fucking hilarious. So, yeah, could you like cut it in right there? Here, I'll yeah, exactly. I'll pause right now. Then we'll cut it in right here.
0: Okay, good, good. Okay.
1: So, so the grip strength, hanging. So it's not just about grip strength. You know, the hanging. There's a doctor. I think he's from Germany. I believe he's. You know, I I know he's from the European area. He wrote a book basically on like hanging for shoulder health and the importance of like being able to hang and create space in the, uh, in the articulated capsule and open up the area for circulation, you know, and yada, 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 and how a lot of shoulder issues could actually be reversed through, um, a progressive hanging, uh, program. And, you know, hanging is something that I, I've always had a decent strength in, Uh, when I started training under Edo, I did some of the online programming and there was a lot of hanging in there. And at first I could hang really well, but then over time, actually my hang got worse and it was, I I believe it was due just to like overtraining, right? Because it's, it's still a, you know, it's an adaptive thing, but like if you adapt too quickly, you can lose it also. You know, there are a lot of people who've gotten like a one arm pull up, but then have never, haven't been able to do it for like four years later, you know, like, yeah, it's like they get like one arm pull up, they made it look easy as fuck. And then they never then they're never able to do it again for four years. I mean, I think that like, uh, I don't quote me on it, but I believe Danny Cavadlo, I mean, he's the one that told me that story. Like he did a one arm pull up I know it's him who told me, but I don't know if it was four years, but it was like around that time period that he could, he couldn't do another one. Yeah. And, and I mean, he's an incredible calisthenics you know, practitioner. So, I mean, super, super strong. So what I recommend, you know, hanging strength is important. What you're really looking at with hanging strength is scapular strength, right? So the ability to elevate and depress your shoulders, right? So retract and protract or whatever, you know, is going forward and backwards, right? You know, so it's like, if you're going to, you know, going in that, you know, from that fully retracted position to that you know, almost like kyphotic position where you're fully, you know, folded forward, you know, to the idea of like global flexion and global extension. Well, you also have to look at, you know, the shoulder elevates and it depresses. So it raises to the ears and then it lowers down. So when you're doing that under load, you could do it under a plank, you know, for, you know, one plane, but if you don't hang and do that, you're not developing that strength on the other, on the other side, which you know, that strength is going to give you the ability to depress your shoulders when you're shoulder pressing because you're able to disassociate from that hanging sequence and like what you're building in the nervous system uh pathways for that to like for that adaption to take place.
2: So Adam, kind of a little change of course here, but talk to us about what you're working on now and uh what is earn the day.
1: Um, you know, earn the day is something I've been doing for a while, actually. Um it's uh well, it's never been something, it's just been who I am, you know. So earn the day is something that I started saying about four and a half years ago. And I was working out uh, with my friend Terrell and I just, you know, I I said it and then he repeated it and I repeated it back and then like he's like this big division one football player, you know, big defensive man. he's like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, like the middle of the champion. You know? So it just kinda it, it stuck right? You know, and that was in uh, February 2013, something like that, three years ago. Yeah, you know, and um, almost four years, right? Close. So yeah, so it was interesting, you know, that basically this mantra of like hard work, and like this blue collar life, you know, and mentality that Milwaukee, you know, so closely holds to our chest. You know, we're the you know, we make Harley Davidson's, you know, I mean, we're, we are like a blue collar, hardworking, you know, industry city that doesn't have that much industry in there anymore, you know? And it's really become, you know, it's become like, a, it's becoming more metropolitan in a sense, you know, like Northwestern Mutual who's been there for a long time, but there's Deloitte, there's Baird, there's a lot of big companies that are housing, you know, in the downtown area, you know, like you know shit serious when Lululemon's popping in downtown Milwaukee, you know? So, um, so earn the day to me is the idea that is um, like over time, you know, this mantra of just like hard work and this blue collar life and, you know, opening up my gym, you know, it was like earn the day became this, this like driving force and it became something super organically. Like I just started hashtagging it and other people started hashtag and it just happened. And I ended up meeting uh, Casey Patterson. This guy from uh, this guy from Huntington, California, I met him down in Miami and it, playing uh, in this model beach volleyball tournament. And he uh, he just recently played in uh, Rio Olympics and he contacted me and he's like, yo, dude, I really like this earn the day thing. He's like, I'm glad that we met, you know, down in Miami. He's like, would you mind if I started using it too on, uh, you know, on, on hashtags? And I was like, yeah, man, that's awesome so you know i then i started having an olympian started hashtagging Earn the day so recently earn the day has become uh this idea that uh to move motivate and create so it's going to uh i'm going to be coming out with a podcast which um i'm really excited about yeah which is going to highlight um people's lives that i have gotten to know over time and I kind of want to do a uh, these interactive podcasts where the people that I'm interviewing, I'm even going to go spend a uh, day with and uh, record like a session um, of like kind of like what their day looks like, and uh, so you can kind of understand like what their day is, you know, so they can you can earn the day like them, you know, and very cool, yeah, and um, I, I basically wanted to just help people stay moving and stay motivated and 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 create a life uh that they want and you know create things um that help other people's lives and you know because I mean essentially if you're you know not helping other people in this world, I mean, you know, get better. Well like, you know, get the fuck off this planet. Cause like we're here on a mission, you know, like we're trying to make people better. We're not just trying to make ourselves better. You know, fitness has had like a bad stigma for a long time. And there's a lot of conscious people. And that's why, you know, I opened up Como because I really believed that a conscious movement was happening. You know, and that like the dogma of you know being a yogi or being a crossfitter, and those lines are going to blur, and there's going to be like emergence of individuals, or a divergent of uh, individuals that will you know that are already in existence. I mean, you look at like Ido Portal has like a hundred plus thousand people following him. You know, so there's a lot of people who are open to the idea of like a greater sense of movement, and I think that we uh, that we need to stay motivated. You know, I, I took my kids for a walk yesterday. And I heard multiple young conversations. I mean, like these kids were probably maybe, maybe 16, maybe, you know, maybe at the oldest and they were talking about like how the fear of, you know, Donald Trump being president, you know, and I was just like thinking to myself like, damn, like I don't remember having those thoughts or fears when I was like 12 or 16 years old. Like there's a reason why kids are obese. There's a reason why, you know, there are serious health issues in this country. We are overfed shitty stimulus and, you know, unnutritious food that doesn't help us make even better decisions, even if we had the information to do so, you know, and I really think that, you know, earn the day is I want to create like an intentional living, you know, like, right. Like that's, you know, and I have a couple of cool shirts up on my website, you know, and one of them says intention over intensity, you know, and it's, it's something that I've said for a long time. And it's just something that I believe, you know, we've kind of lost sight of in a lot of ways, you know, where a lot of us think, you know, stronger, faster, you know, all this and that. But I think, uh, you know, what about like the long road, you know, what about, you know, we have to earn today. We also want to do it tomorrow. You know, it's, you know, it's like there's another one after that. You don't earn the day and then you own tomorrow. Like it doesn't work like that. Like every day is earn the day. It's not like you'll never see some shirt that says like earn the day, own tomorrow. You know, like that's, (laughs) that's like one, I think that's like a Charles Schwab, like tagline own tomorrow or something but you can't own tomorrow i mean they're kind of selling a false promise right sure. like right and uh i can't get sued for saying that can i maybe they can get sued for saying that so yeah i think that earn the day is just to create like a kind of a, a blanket place because really i mean i still have ADD, you know and i i still really enjoy doing a lot of things and i love collaborating and be on the lookout for in one month they uh a project I've been working on for a year with a serious backpack maker named vessel workshop who makes these super high-end messenger bags. Me and him have been designing a bag for the last year and we are going to be releasing a uh, campaign for this incredible backpack, the first gym bag ever. So it's uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty incredible. It's called the mule. Yep. So that's gonna be pretty amazing. Um, I'm really excited about that. It's, uh, something that him and I are are super passionate about and we're already starting on a second bag. So we, uh, he, he's an incredible designer. He graduated from the Florence school of, uh, or not graduated, but he went to the Florence school of, uh, uh, design for like uh leather and like uh bag making and stuff like that. So he's just got like really cool old school methods that he mixes in with these like really interesting retro. And I just had this idea and I'm creative, you know, and, uh, I just love creating and I love partnering up with people and, you know, to make a dream happen, you know, cause I, I still, uh, I still like want to be part of a team, right. Even though we're not playing sports, like, Absolutely. like we should yeah. all be part of one big team. It's called the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, hey, we're going to bounce just a few quick questions off you uh, yeah, 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 back yeah, of and forth here. So a little rapid fire round, but I kind of want to start back at, you know, you touched on nutrition there. If you had to describe your nutrition philosophy, say in a sentence or two, what would it be?
1: Ketogenic. We like it.
0: Yeah. We like it. We, our, yeah, our, yeah. our listeners are, are uh, they're very aware, yeah, aware of the yeah. keto and have depth fat. on that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, okay. So I, I do keto and I, I eat right for my activity type. That's kind of like something that I talk about in the day, eat right for your activity type. So, okay. I mean, if you're doing a high amount of like ATP or like glycogen based type exercise, you know, intense exercise, well, then you can afford to eat more glucose, you know, if you're somebody who's doing like low grade activity, you know, or just weightlifting, but not very intense. And I would say most people aren't lifting that intense. Like if you're not sweating from lifting, you know, you're not lifting intense, right? So you're not like, you're not burning things. You're not like increasing body temperature that much in my opinion. So I think that glucose can be present, you know, like over 40 grams, when applicable you know so like if i have a really intense day like i've trained with um i trained with hunter mckintree the spartan fucking superstar yeah. you know like i went to the sheriff they call him and like he had me throwing <laughs> up like 15 he had me like throwing up 15 minutes in you know but like uh i don't do like that super intense activity like pushing sleds at five thirty in the morning with a belly full of bulletproof coffee you know, it just was like, it was like, Oh fuck. I didn't realize I thought we were, I thought we were lifting weights or something, Yeah. you know? So, uh, next time I'm, I'm, I'm coming correct. Uh, so, so, uh, I got home though. And, you know, it was sweet potatoes and veggies. You know, I didn't even need protein. You know, it was like, I didn't do that much anabolic work. It was more just like, I was just, you know, I was just burning sugar, you know, it was just like, I could yeah. just feel it, you know? And I just felt great after that. So it's, I keep my proteins not overly high. I used to be really big, you know, I used to be two hundred and thirty pounds of, you know, and like seven percent body fat. And now I'm yeah, now I'm like two hundred, you know, and 7 percent body fat. You know, so I'd like you to not be...
0: survive a long winter.
1: <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would like to be one ninety, you know, yeah. like I would like to be a little lighter. People always say why, but like I just I, I feel more comfortable the closer I get to one ninety. Like sure. I've been I've been one hundred eighty five when I fought before and I love the way I felt. But, like, I didn't like the way I felt because I felt completely depleted, you know. But I liked the way I felt, like, in the sense, like, when I wiped my ass, my shoulder didn't crack. <laughs> <laughs> you all know that crack I'm talking about, like, when your shoulder's tight and, like, you did too much lat work. And yeah. Nice. So, <laughs> nice. so, next question. <laughs> yeah. So,
2: Adam, we highlighted earlier the difference in the training philosophies and abilities on the show, NBC Strong, but you also touched on, How on the show, your personality, your true personality really shined through, whereas everyone else was living in these kind of self-imposed biases, right? Or like this image of what they wanted to portray in a, you know, kind of the society today where we're overloaded with that information of looking and and feeling this way that is kind of promoted in the media. How do you stay true to yourself and have your true personality shine through when you're on a show
1: and when you're just in real life? Yeah. Yeah. You know, one, I don't look at social media, so I may post social media, but I don't look at social media. Um, I recently posted a challenge for others to do that as well. It's one of the daily tasks to kick weekly ass for Earn the Day. So it's like these like daily tasks every once in a while that I just will come out with, you know, that I'm like, oh, this is important to me now. You know, like I realize that I've been doing this or this is something I want to do. This is important. One of them has been to not look at other social media feeds. Um, if the only social media feed I every once in a while will glance at is Instagram because it's, it's just the pictures that are like intensive to me, which are sometimes good, but I've gotten away from that now and, um, as well. And I just, you know, I do my posting, I answer comments, you know, I interact with people, but I don't sit there and look at other people's shit. You know, that's one way. The second way is I, I don't, I've never stopped learning, Right. So I've never stopped educating myself through other people's experiences and practices because I believe that the things that everybody has done and that everybody has gone through has made them or given them something that I don't have. And it's something that, you know, I want to understand. And I want to at least, if I don't, if I can't do it, I at least want to understand it and be around it. That's what's like led me to like train with so many people. So I find that a lot of my uniqueness is like the ability to accept and to like other people's word where a lot of people if they look at me they would assume that i wouldn't so i think that i stay true to myself by staying true to myself like i never let somebody else's opinion of like what they think of me stop me from doing what i'm going to do if that means you know speaking my mind taking a workshop you know, where like some people are afraid to take other people's workshops because then if they start doing something that's similar to that person, then that other person that hosted that workshop or gave that certification can start pointing fingers at them like, no, they took my workshop and then they stole my material and they started saying it's that, you know, like whatever fucking, you know, people want to do and say, you know, in this small little world of fitness, I think that it's important to, you know, be honest and just, you know, be truthful. And. My kids keep me truthful and honest, you know, like I don't need to burn bridges. I don't ever need to be anybody but myself. I myself got me here. I'm always saying that I need to get work. I need to do work on myself. I'm always looking to better myself. And I think always looking to like better myself and, you know, allowing myself to be, you know, being told. I mean, there were multiple times on the show that I literally had interventions, you know, like I've I've been told so many times by so many different people how I should be. You know, and I've always taken it pretty fucking gracefully. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ah, Smoking weed, drinking bulletproof coffee, and hanging from objects that are over my head.
2: (laughs) I like it. (laughs) It's awesome. What is the first step someone can take in becoming a quote unquote mover and incorporating more balance in their physical life?
1: You know, um, walk the path less taken, right? There you go so um while everybody is walking on this giant sidewalk walk on the curb you know like uh like just put more consciousness into your movement um throughout the day uh like when you're on a phone call stand on one foot you know like when you're on a podcast stand on a food balance board you know i mean there's there's all different there's all different ideas and thoughts that you know uh that could be done and they're all very accessible some of my guys you know, some of my clients—they just stand on one foot, and they raise their one leg up, and they stand on one foot, and they close their eyes, right? And they like turn their head left and right, you know, or something like that, right? And, you know, I mean, there's there's all different uh, things that you could do to incorporate balance. Get a voodoo board. I mean, honestly, like I'm not trying to plug it. I don't get any money for it. I'm not giving you any special link. Um, I just say get a voodoo board because they're compacted. They're they they come with like progressive um balance points that are like everywhere from like a roller to like just like this like little coaster that kind of just rocks back and forth. I mean, so it's really easy to do balance work, you know. I mean, right now it's
2: There you go. Yeah, for everyone listening, this whole podcast is on video by the way, and Adam just he's balancing right now on the voodoo board and gave a little demo there, so you can check out the video on YouTube if you want to watch it. Yeah. Adam in closing, what yeah. is the secret to a knockout
1: Ooh, sitting down on your punch.
0: Yeah? And what yeah. does that mean?
1: Oh, see, that's white boys. Yeah, like following just, through, <laughs> you have to hit him
0: like right, right in the chin, you know?
1: Yeah, so you know what, honestly, um, sitting down on your punch. I mean, like I could, you could, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you can knock somebody out, but you could definitely knock somebody for a serious winder just if you hit him in the solar plexus with the punch that you're sitting down on. Mm-hmm. So sitting down on your punch means that when you throw the punch out, you know, one, a punch is about rotation. So it's, um, you basically, you rotate the, the back leg and on the toe. And when you get into almost like a, what would be almost like if you were to break it down into like an exercise, it would almost look like a lunge. And what you do is you drop the weight down in that, in your butt a little bit. So you get more compacted in the ground. So if you think about like the, you know, the movement, the kinetics of, the, the punch is you cre- you're generating tons of force, but if you're on your tippy toe, on your back foot and you're throwing that punch, well, that force has no backing. So it'd be like it'd be like shooting a bullet with a pin when the bullet's not in a cylinder and you just have an open bullet without it being like with a backed cylinder. It would like it just loses tons of force. Yeah, it's still going to go forward but you're just going to lose tons of force. So yeah. So basically sitting down into that toe. So good ankle flexion and good toe flexion is important. Um, <laughs> when you're, uh, when you're throwing a proper punch, you know, so you should kind of sit down to that leg, rotate that right hand out, turn your hips and follow through. Good to know.
0: Is it one of those things? Like as soon as you make contact, you know,
1: Oh yeah, man. Like when you throw a punch the right time, the first time you're like, like every time I have a client that gets it, they have this like, Oh, Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice. oh, cool. awesome well adam it's been great having you on man
1: yeah man it's really nice been great time. being on i appreciate you guys and uh i'll see you soon <laughs>